disciple-making parent. Our focus in this class has shifted from uh, parenting aimed toward uh, behavior of your children to uh, really trying to focus on the heart of our kids and the transformation of their heart. And uh, we are starting a month-long series, technology series, on how to... Um, actually, those handouts back there are from the last three sessions, and I have copies back there. We don't have handouts for today, just, just in case. So, Jacob Gaston is an IT specialist. He's here with us today, and he is going to give uh, some, a general presentation on understanding the Internet. And uh, since we are a learning community, we expect uh, and hope that all of us will participate in uh, the session this time and next time as we learn together. So, Jacob Gaston, come join us. Jake, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Being an IT specialist is kind of a kind of a loaded description because I think uh, in in the grand scheme of things, people who are an IT specialists are generally just guys that can Google better than, than the next guy. Um, and being uh, in the corporate world, um, I've owned and managed an IT company for over 20 years, and the changes I've seen in two decades is just tremendous. And um, I've been more of in the, in the management ownership side, but it kind of blends over to IT. So uh, I, I, I'm, I can answer most of your IT questions, and if not, I can certainly Google them. Um, but anyway, that, that's me. Um, how many of you guys in your households think that you are the IT specialist versus, versus your teams? Be, you can be honest. Be honest. Okay. Well, I know Paul. He's... IT as well. So, so how many hire? How many consider their teens to be the IT specialists in their households? I didn't see every hand. Is it kind of a blend? You're preteen. Okay. So you're just like me. Even though I'm in this realm every single day of my life, you know, I'm, I have to navigate this as a parent just like you guys do. And I think the biggest mistake that I make, and I probably would say that the biggest mistake that everybody else makes, is that we tend to let our guard down, right? We do. Um, I just had an in, uh, incident with my daughter the other day. And uh, she was on Instagram, and my wife follows her on Instagram. And we're, we're at the school, and somebody yells over to my daughter, who's 16, and she says, hey, Lauren, what's your Finstagram account name? Finstagram. Who's heard of Finstagram or a Finsta? Right? Okay. So what? 15%? 15% of y'all. I'm the IT specialist. I had to Google it immediately. What is a Finsta? Because she answered like that, like, 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 you know, he, my dad doesn't know. My dad doesn't care. So I'd let my guard down. A Finsta account is a fake Instagram account. So you can follow your child on Instagram all that you want. But the trend now is to create a fake Instagram account. So what are the ways you can mitigate that? You know, children are, are great at technology, they really are. And, and to put it, I guess, in a, in, a, in a common sentence, I would say that they are technology natives and we're technology immigrants. You know, we, we come from, you know, some of y'all may be punch cards. For me, it was, I'm not going to insult, I know punch cards goes a long way back, but, you know, with me, it was, it was a little portable Macintosh computer. So we, we kind of came into this realm kind of unaware and, and kind of new to it. And, and our, our typical posture is just to say, I don't want to deal with that. It's just too hard. And so, and that's where the danger, the danger lies, is that when we let our guards down, we have our children who are constantly bombarded and constantly have multiple devices these days, um, are, starting, are learning these things. And they're starting to circumvent a lot of the things that we try and do as parents to, to protect them. Some of it may be malicious, some of it not. My daughter's Finsta account ended up being, yeah, if you Google it, what it is, it's supposed to be 
an account where your kid sets up and they're supposed to send ugly pictures of themselves to, to Instagram. So that's what it's designed for. That's what it's designed for right now. Who knows? So I'm thinking to myself, how did my daughter do that? Well, to set up a fake account, which is a very common thing, you, you basically use your email address just like you would when you set up a real account. So that's kind of the things I'm going to talk about is how to, how to look at your house and look at the household and see what you can do to start. And then next week, uh, after we go over some of these exercises, next week I want to get a little bit more specific. But um, right now, you know, our kids are great at technology, but one thing they're not great at is evaluating risk or certainly not mitigating risk. They're not good at that. And, and Clark will tell you that their brains aren't fully developed and it's not necessarily malicious on their part. It's just something that they're not, they're not uh, prepared to do. So um, one thing that I would like everybody to start thinking about uh, in this realm of technology and how we use it, and I have to do this on a constant basis too, even though my phrase is the cobbler's son has no shoes. Don't come to my house and look at my technology because I deal with it every day. So it's not like I have this whole house that's just crazy wired. But I do on, from time to time have to do a home inventory check. These are very common things that we can do, and it's going to bleed into some things we'll talk about later. A home inventory check. Everybody here needs to know exactly how many devices in your household hit the internet because I bet you you're not thinking of one, maybe two. So I want everybody to go home this week, and I want you to write down and look at all of the devices that hit the internet in your household. Smart TV, Blu-ray players, tablets, phones, computers. And it's so funny, is computers are becoming antiquated. It's all the other devices now. Nintendos, Xbox, everybody needs to, to really do that. And, and the reason why I have to do that on occasion is because, again, I was in my daughter's room the other day, 16 years old, 10 o'clock at night, getting ready to tell her good, uh, good, good night for bed. She was doing her homework, and her bed looked like the space shuttle. It was a computer, a phone, and an iPad. All I'm like, what are you using these for? She's like, well, Dad, my French class I have to do on my computer. All my other homework I have to do on my iPad and on my phone. I don't know what she was doing on her phone, but probably texting. But anyway, we need to, we need to get a list of all of those things because in order to make informed decisions on how you want to protect your kids on the Internet from home, you have to know what you have. You have to know what you have from a device standpoint because in order to make an informed decision as to how you want to protect your kids, you're going to have to know what you're using because there's not going to be a, a one-stop, one-fix-all solution to what you want to do. And that brings me to my, to my next point. We have, different, we have different age kids in my household. I've got a boy who's 12. I've got a daughter who's 16. They both use their devices completely differently, completely differently. So I think what I do with my son and what we do with my daughter is we look at their phones from time to time, and we get an inventory of their apps. So not only do you need to do an inventory of the devices you have that hit the internet, you have to sit down with them and do an inventory of the apps that they use. Because my son, apparently YouTube is now like TV. To, I mean, he doesn't he watch TV. He wants to watch YouTube. And for a long time, YouTube really did a pretty good job of policing things. As far as, uh, as far as our content goes, but, you know, they may not police it the way I, I like to police it. So, again, the next thing you should do after inventorying all your devices is make a list of what apps they're using. Because once you have an informed list of the apps that your kids like to use, you can not only sit down and talk about those apps and what they do and how they use them, but then you can also make an informed decision as to how you want to go about protecting your kids using those apps. The big thing about parents is they don't want to get in, they don't want to get involved in having to learn to, to use these things. You know, they tend to just want to trust their kids um, with using these devices because their kids are obviously good and 
and they they really firmly believe that. But you know, things can things can happen on accident too. So again, a list of all the inventory items in your house and a list of all the apps. And if anybody has any questions coming up, just go ahead and this is an interactive group. So if you want to raise your hand and ask a question, please, uh, feel free. Okay. Um, also, one thing that I really highly encourage everyone to do, passwords. You need to make a list of all of your kids' usernames. Once you get the app list, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, whatever else is out there, there's 80,000 of them. Simple things. Make a list of the apps and then follow up with corresponding usernames and corresponding passwords. I can't tell you how many times in the corporate world when I ask somebody for their password, A, I don't have one. Yes, you do. B, I never have to type it in. Okay, it remembers that you still have one. Um, yeah, usernames and passwords and um, any type of user account associated. You need to make a, an inventory list of all of those things. So if they, have, if they have a Snapchat account or a Facebook account or an Instagram account, you need to make a list. And I would tend to ask you not to write it down. There's some really great free apps for your phone or your, your computer that you can make a, a laundry list of your, of your kids' usernames and passwords. Start archiving that information. Every, every app is going to have a way to set it up it's going to have a username. It's going to have a password. So simply following your child on Instagram and Facebook and Snapchat, Snapchat following your, your child on those different apps, Twitter, is not, is not good enough anymore. You have to know how to be able to access their information and what they're doing. I let my guard down because my daughter somehow set up another fake account. I've set up a fake account. She would have done that through an email. Well, you need to have email addresses and passwords. All this information needs to be easily retrieved because there's nothing you can buy. There's nothing that's going to be 100% foolproof. And if the majority of the people in, in the class agreed that their kids were tech savvy, their kids are going to circumvent this information. They're going to circumvent this if they feel like they're more you know, informed. And they're going to get it from their friends, and they're going to get it from the Internet. So... Once you have all that information down, you can sit down and log in and talk and, uh, with your kids. You can look at the people that they're following. And it's really great information to have because you can log in their email accounts on occasion to see if, anybody, if there has been any type of activity as far as setting up a fake account or, or whatnot. So those are things that you need to have. They're very simple to do, but what are they? They're time-consuming. They're laborious. You know, they're things that we just tend to not want to do, but they're the very basic things that we have to do if we want to start protecting our kids against this content on the internet and being able to talk with them. So those are, those are the things I would say start with right now immediately to uh, uh, be able to disseminate how you're going to get the information and make an informed decision as to how you want to stop a certain activity on the internet. So once you have all of that information, hopefully not stored on a piece of paper somewhere, where your kids can get it. You also need to make uh, see how your internet connection works at your house because there's two ways that you're going to be able to monitor, block, um, limit content on the internet, and it's a twofold solution. It's not one anymore. It's twofold. Uh, first, you have to look at the way your house operates. The way that basically the internet works is you have an internet service provider. Let's just say it's Comcast. Some of you, that may be great. Some of you, that may be bad. I don't know. Let's just say it's Comcast. Well, Comcast has a device inside your house called a modem. Comcast sends that modem an IP address, which is unique, um, and it can change. It cannot change, whatever. That's not important. The IP address comes into your network, and then you have either the modem or you have a router inside your house that then issues uh, the networking permissions to, for those devices to get on the internet. So from a hardware standpoint, if you, want to, if you want to protect your house from certain content on the internet, you'll need to, you'll need to purchase a router, which is a piece of hardware that will allow parental controls. 
Have I lost anybody yet? Does everybody know what a router? Who, who knows if they have a router at the house? Okay. You know you have a modem at the house, correct? Okay. Well, again, when it comes down to uh, making uh, buying decisions, when it comes to the router of choice, you also need to look at not only from a hardware standpoint, that purchase, but also your software stand, uh, software purchases, because you will also need to be able to buy software um, for your phones, for your computers, for your tablets, for everything that you have on your network in order to protect your kids outside the home. And that's where it goes back to how important the inventory is when it comes to your applications, because there's a lot of different applications. There's a lot of different routers out there that do different things. So with me, what, what do I do? My kids, I'm more concerned about my daughter using Snapchat or Instagram or, or Facebook. So I'm going to try and buy an app that's specifically going to want to monitor and, monitor and, and target those, those types of things, because there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of applications out there. And in order for you guys to make an educated decision as to how you want to protect yourself, you have to know these things first. So also, when I asked it in the beginning, how many parents, um, how many of you guys actually use parental controls right now at the, at the house? Give me some examples of what y'all are using and why. Covenant Eyes. Is it on... Your phones and your and your and your computers as well. Okay, I, okay. Anybody else? What, Disney Circle, Circle huh? That's a, okay. Anybody else? <laughs> That's good, actually. That's right. Yeah, the best way to, to, to not to protect your kids is to move to a small farm in Wyoming with no internet. That's, anybody else? Right. Okay. Is anybody not using any parental controls? And be honest. Anybody not using parental controls? And, and what's the barrier to that? Is it uh, just uh, afraid of the technology? Okay. Right. Right. Well, that's, that's good. Open dialogue is obviously... The, and, and hopefully, doing some of this, uh, this household inventory on, on apps and things like that will open up a dialogue of conversation. You know, if you're not following your kids on, the, on these social media sites, you, you should. And of course, not bury your head in the sand just with that. But, you know, you, you, should, uh, you, should, you should have this conversation to, to open up dialogue between you and your child when it comes to that. Like my daughter with Finsta. She was very open about it. She's like, oh, this is all I do with it. Um, but, you know, again, it's just one of those things where... Uh, you know, you, you hope that the open dialogue is, is truthful and you have open communication, which brings me to another point. Yes, ma'am. Right. And that brings me to my next point. It's one of the reasons why I had everybody raise their hands about who's using parental controls, who's not and who's not being honest. But I just had mine expire. I'm being honest, okay? So I've got to renew mine. But in the end, 36% of all parents out there are using some type of parental controls. Now, that's not qualified. I, you know, who knows what that means? That could mean they're using open DNS and that's it, which is really not adequate enough. You know, so 36%. So think about that. I can't really do math quick. 64%? Is that the... Okay, 64% of your kids' friends probably don't have parental controls at their house. You know, so that's another thing that I, I, I tend to worry about as well. My son set a passcode. He's 12. He set a passcode on his phone. Well, I went ballistic. I'm like, don't, don't you set a passcode on your phone and not tell me? 
He's like, Dad, people were getting, taking my phone at school and trying to do bad things. So again, I would encourage, that's great. I hope, well, I hope he's being truthful. But, um, and we do have internet protections on his, on his phone. Don't worry about that. But, but in the end, you know, that type of dialogue is very important to have. And that brings me to another point with, you know, with passcodes. Make sure you write passcodes down. Make sure you also check them on occasion because they get changed. This open dialogue needs to happen on a consistent basis. You may want to have monthly, quarterly meetings with your, with your kids about all of this because it will change. It always changes. You cannot buy something today and have it work tomorrow. It's just not that way anymore. I mean, you got to think about it. The, the iPhone came out in 2007, which seems like forever ago, but it's not. look how far it's come along. And I can't tell you how many people went out there and bought the first iPhone 7 or, or first iPhone back in 2007, and to this day, they still don't know how to use it. And you ask them to set up control, controls built into the phone itself, which is very simple. Of course, it's not 100% effective, but it's very simple. I don't know how to do it. You know, those, those types of things, our ignorance is not going to lead us to, uh, to, good, good, to good outcomes at all. So, <clears throat> but any, anyway, 36% of, of parents implement parental controls, which means your kids are probably going to go to other people's houses uh, where there is no parental controls in place. Sure. Yeah, he had to, to a degree. I mean, right. Parental controls when you set them on a, on a device, and that's that's one thing too. I, I'll come back to. But parental controls on the device itself is great to have. You will have to have a passcode. Another thing to write down and remember, you'll have to have a passcode in order to set the parental controls. So if he set a passcode and gave it to your daughter or your you know your child, that that doesn't do any good. Okay. Well, there, there's a unique passcode to where like. If you're setting your parental controls up for your child, when you go to enable them, it asks you to, to generate one. You should probably do it like this, write it down, then hand it back. And don't make it your street address. Don't make it your birthday year. I Just make it complicated. And that's another thing, too, when it comes to passwords for you guys. Complicated passwords. You know, if you've got passwords on your network, I cannot tell you how many corporate environments I go into because your kids are smart. When it comes to open DNS. That is about the easiest thing in the world to circumvent if you have a moderately tech-savvy kid. And, you know, I learned it the hard way. Well, not the hard way, but I did learn it. Um, you know, I, I didn't realize that I had, I had a, not one of my kids, but another kid smart enough to, to go and circumvent it. So when you go to set passwords on your routers, which you have to do, everybody who's got a router in this room has to set an admin account and a password. You have to do it. Change the default, please. I can't tell you how many times I walk into a corporate environment where it's admin password or admin admin, or you can figure it out in about a three-second Google search. Simple things like that, because somebody can go in and completely disable all of your parental controls. If you don't have a complex, secure, where they don't know password for your router, your Wi-Fi, whatever, that has, that has to be done. But uh, going back to parental controls... When you're doing part of your inventory list at home, you write down some important things. You need to know what operating systems your computers are running. You know, whether you have a Mac or a PC, those basic things. Do I have a, how many Macs? How many PCs? My PCs running Windows 10. Are they running Windows 8? Hopefully not. Um, you know, are you running Sierra, Leopard, whatever the new one is? I don't know. I'm not in the Mac realm, but iOS. You got to have all your devices stay up to date, too from a security standpoint, not necessarily from a parental control standpoint, but from a security standpoint, you need to have all your devices up to date. I went to my daughter's iPad the other day. I think it was like running iOS 10, which is, I don't know how many, how many versions behind, but it's behind. Those things need to be done uh, in order to keep, uh, just generally from a security standpoint, like from malware standpoint, from a virus standpoint, um, you need to have your devices up to date because they issue security, re security updates for a reason. And my wife does it too. I like, you know, we have a Windows 10 PC at home. I'll just update later. I'll just update later. I'll just update later while I go back to it. It's like, what, you know, 10 hours behind of doing updates. So I sit there and just do all the updates for. But that does need to be done. Another thing that once you get all of these things figured out, 
one thing I highly encourage corporations as well as homes, one thing I did with my daughter when she was very young and learning all sorts of unique, wonderful words um, from in middle school and, and different things in middle school, it is important to have a technology policy for your household. A written contract that you have between you and your children. And you can actually, there's a lot of different uh, websites you can go to to get a, to get a template for, for a technology policy. What does a technology policy do? It's the best way to open a dialogue because with, after gathering all the inventory of all the different things that you have, you can be very, very specific as to how you want to implement your technology policy. Like our technology policy gets down to the nitty-gritty on what you do and can't do on specific apps. So having a technology policy in place subconsciously, I think, allows your children to remember what was brought up in the conversation. You know, my, well, my parents said I, I shouldn't. We have this, I have this policy, this contract. I've read, we've talked about it, and I can't do this. So you can always use it to go back as well because I can't tell you how many times I've also had my kids say, I didn't know that. You didn't tell me that. Like, no. So having a technology policy, and again, there's some great, I think the Family Research Council, there's a lot of websites out there that have great templates. So you don't, it's not like you have to open a Word document and then start trying to bang something out. There's a lot of great uh, tools you can use uh, and download um, to formulate those. And it, and it, can be, it needs to be age-specific. I've got one for my 16-year-old, and I've got one for my 12-year-old. It's going to constantly change. It's going to change every year depending on what they do and what they use and how they use it. So that's, a very, that's another uh, thing that I think between now and next week uh, everybody should start thinking about doing. Are there any, any other questions, anything? Hmm. Mm-hmm. With schools? Right. That's, that's a good question because uh, my daughter went to public school in middle school. She was issued a Mac, and this was, this was several years ago. And at the time, she had, a very lim- she had a limited profile, which means we couldn't install anything. You couldn't do anything. Um, so as far as web browsing goes, I mean, obviously, I had something in my house. I had a router in my house to protect against web browsing. I had no idea what the school had. Uh, you would hope that the school would implement some type of, of content filtering device on the network. I'm sure they're required to, to be honest with you. Um, but probably a limited, a limited account, which is one thing when it comes to a PC or a Mac or whatever you can you sh- and you should set up limited accounts, use the parental controls built into the device itself to set up a limited account to where they cannot install anything. And by doing that also, you can, you have a certain other degree of, of parental controls you can use like times, like how much time they can spend on the internet and what they can see. But that's probably the way that was them. She probably couldn't install anything, which means you couldn't install anything which means you, know, you have to use your home as a source of protection. Now, the great thing is, is that schools are getting a lot more, a lot more uh, I guess, technology involved when it comes to that type of, of, that type of thing because of parental concerns. So I know that a lot of, uh, a lot of the schools now are installing um, antivirus deployments that also do content filtering because antivirus – on a corporate environment has become more important because of ransomware and malware and things like that. So a lot of your antivirus programs offer content filtering. I have seen some schools implement, implement that, but it is something you have to constantly check. That's the problem. You have to constantly stay on top of it. And also I would use the technology uh, advisor at the school to communicate your concerns. Uh, my kids are in private school now. They're at a Concord Christian school. And it's kind of frustrating because they installed a um, software that doesn't allow me to install the stuff that I like to use. It's, so you can't have dual, dual, um, dual things. But, you know, that's just one of the things that you have to kind of get around. But that's why it's very important just to have your whole house protected uh, with parental control router and then also have your, your different apps uh, protected. Anybody else?
you know, I, the way I determined that was um, where they are in school, like, like at what point in school, um, and what what types of things are they? How old? Mm-hmm. Well, smart TV. You know, again, when it comes to technology, your t- even if you have a old TV. Your old TV still has some type of parental controls built into it. I, I can promise that. And we, I would set that up. Even if you do have a dumb TV, you've got you've got a four you know you've got four digit passcodes you can put on for certain content. I would look into that. Also, if you have a smart if you have a smart TV, we've I've got one of each. I got a dumb TV and a smart TV. Again, that that comes down to the home inventory part. You got to write down when you get home. I got a smart TV. Okay, well that can there's an Internet Explorer browser right on it. Um, which, thank goodness, is Internet Explorer. But, um, but that's where your whole house protection comes into play. Anything that passes uh, to the Internet through your home should be contained, uh, mitigated, should be controlled by a router uh, that plugs into your modem that allows you to do content filtering. And routers are pretty easy to set up now. That's the great thing about it. They're actually kind of harder for me because I come from like a command line world where we type everything in and put in the numbers and now they come with like applications you can like install and like go through a little wizard. They make it easy, but it makes it hard on me. But, but the routers that you can go buy now, um, like, like the, the go, which is not exactly a router, but it kind of works like one is driven by an app. It's very simple. You plug it into your network, you, you download the app, you configure it and it controls all the devices that hit the internet in your, in your house. You can set the parental controls. You can set time limits. Uh, you can identify the different devices on your network, like Jake's iPhone, Kim's iPhone, Shep's iPhone, Lauren's iPhone. And you can set different parameters for each of those individual users. Again, change the default password. If you've got a smart kid, they'll change all that. So change the default password. As far as the age goes, four, I would look at it more of a, from a psychology standpoint, wouldn't you, Clark, at that age? At what age do you really want your, your, your children in front of all of that content? Because I know I did not allow my son for a while. He brings up an, I had no idea there was a gay channel on that. I had no clue. But, I mean, see, you learn something every day. Um, another thing, if you're concerned about things like that, and, and I tend to be also, because I have my daughter uh, set up a Netflix account, and we have access to what she's watching. We have access to, to talk about it, and you can't really limit a whole, whole lot, but um, I know they have a, a TV program on, that glorifies teen suicide, and I noticed that she had watched it. So that opened up dialogue. That's why you have to, you kind of have to always be on the alert of what your kids are using, what they're watching. Also, when it comes to your phones and your devices, that brings up another point. If you have the opportunity to not save your password in, in a particular app or a particular thing like Netflix, if you launch it, sometimes it does not, it asks you if you want to save your password. Don't. I know, I know it's so much easier just to have it automatically come up, but if it's a concern, don't save that information because it will be used against you. Um, whether it's on Netflix where my daughter wants to watch an R-rated movie, log right into my phone. If I have my password saved or can log right onto the TV where there's a Netflix app. Um, Yeah, right.
Right. And that's, that's right. That's the, that is the limitation of everything. There's nothing that's 100% effective, period, in the story. You can only do the best you can. Again, the technology policy, the constant dialogue is the best way. And that brings me to another point, too. Within each specific app, there are settings. I mean, they're not, they aren't necessarily great. But when you, when you do get an inventory list of the apps that y'all are using or your kids are using, there is some sort of privacy settings and some sort of settings to customize that content within the app itself. So those are some things that probably need to be done because I know with Netflix, and it, cha- and it constantly changes. That's another thing. It's so dynamic. You have to stay on top of it. Um, but by calling Netflix and, and telling them that that's a feature you want, I promise you, you know, it's going to improve over time. Um, so that's why you have to constantly stay on top of it. And yes, that type of content is not going to be blocked. It's kind of like a lot of, for for a long time, I don't know if you ever search for, you know, use Google Images. If you go to Google.com and then you search for images, and, and a long time ago, safe search didn't exist. Like, you know, that because that's a feature that probably got added later on. And I'll be honest with you, I was, it was it's probably 10 years ago, but I was on um, Google Images searching for what's called moon crickets. I mean, they were in my basement. They're just ugly, demonic little crickets that jump at you and attack. So I Googled it. I'm like, what is this thing? So a moon cricket. Well, a naked woman came up. I'm not kidding. I mean, it's stuff like that. So the technology is constantly improving. Now Google Images can be, can be blocked by things like Covenant Eyes or whatever application you use. That's typically one of the things that they do. Why? Because people complained about it. There was no real way to do that before. Because if you blocked Google Images, you didn't block the entire domain, which means you're blocking Google, which means you're blocking any good question and answer, you know, search engine there is. So things constantly improve. And I do encourage people to, when they find kind of a, a, a flaw, to contact the company because they will improve upon that. I know a lot of apps have. Right. It is difficult, and you know that's. She was asking. If, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Not depending on the internet, I, and the thing you know that, although the internet's dangerous, it's still a, an incredible tool for for education and for learning, and I don't think that there's any um, any way the cat's out of the bag. Pandora's box is open. Your kids are going to have access to it. Your friends are going to have access to it. It's just hard to really take the approach of what can we do to, to not exist with it. And I, I find that in today's society, it's, a, it's, it's almost impossible. It, it really is. I mean, like my dad, my poor old dad still gets the paper. He still gets the paper. And I told him, I said, Dad, I want to read your paper. I, you know, that was yesterday's news. You know, I got my news right here on my phone. It's right up to date. That thing took 24 hours to print. That's so old. It's, I mean, it's, 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 it's kind of, it's very hard. I mean, I, with, with the amount of information that schools are requiring now to get online, and that's a big difference too. My son, 12 years old, when he's writing a paper, he has to do a bibliography. Well, the teachers make him actually go to a book and use that as a source. You have to use one book as a source, and you have to go to the library for one source, because otherwise, it'd be all Wikipedia which is not always 100% accurate, by the way. But I don't think that we can, I don't think you can, I guess, function along and move along technology-wise with society because so much of, of your jobs these days, so much of research information is all internet-based because it's so dynamic. Uh, and, and your kids are going to encounter it at some point. And that's why I, I, encourage, I encourage parents. You know, I got my daughter her first phone when, I'm not talking a slidey phone. I'm talking like her first real smartphone when she was um, in elementary school. She was in fifth grade. And people ask, why? People are like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? I, because it's a lot easier to convince a fifth grader 
the importance of it than it is to convince a 16-year-old. Because 16-year-olds, as we all know, know everything. They're, they're the smartest things walking on earth. So by getting her the, the phone and exposing it to her at a very young age, it allowed for that dialogue to continue to move forward. And as scary as it is, um, I guess it's kind of like the gun analogy. I grew up with guns all throughout my life, my house, as a young kid. But I learned the safety of it before anything. Because I because that was that was important to my parents. So when you hand them when you hand them a piece of technology, you are handing them essentially a weapon for them to do whatever they want to do. So the younger they get exposed to it, and the younger you can have the dialogue, the easier it's going to be in the long run. It just really is, and that's it may be an unfortunate part of our society, but but that's just the way it is. So I encourage people to introduce your kids to technology at a young age, and teach them the ins and outs of it. I mean, my son has, has watched my, my daughter grow, and he's benefited from it. So, anyway, anybody else? Yes. It is. Yeah, exactly. And, again, it, it comes to dialogue. You know, my, when I handed my son his iPhone, and it had, I was using at the time Kaspersky, um, kids, which basically disables the Safari browser and puts their browser on, and it, it gives me reports on what he's doing. And it, and it opened the immediate question. He's like, Dad, what is this? Like, well, son, here it is. It's not that I don't trust you. I trust you impeccably. But, um, and I told him, I said, you can inadvertently stumble on something on the Internet easily. I mean, just do a Google search wrong. And I can promise you it is designed to take you places you don't want to go. I said, son, you're going to see things. I don't want you to see things you can't unsee at this age. Like the crickets thing, that still scares me. That that was very disturbing. (laughs) But again, it opens the dialogue. It starts the conversation. And it's the conversation we don't like. We don't like having the birds and the bees conversation. This is another conversation we just don't like to have, but it's necessary. There are apps out there that do a moderate job at mitigating YouTube content, but that's, it is so, um, it's so objective. What you don't like may be perfectly okay for somebody else. Now, as far as blocking pornography, um, it does a great job at that. YouTube has introduced controls, which weren't not, were not there previously. So you can block content. Um, Again, they're not the hardest thing in the world to turn off. Um, so you got to have to have that constant dialogue, but they do have that uh, that ability to turn on like an M13 or or younger for, and it, and it does like it, it moderate, moderates the profanity, um, the content, and things like that. But YouTube is a big thing, and it's it's I didn't realize it <clears throat> uh, myself even 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 being in the industry. I mean, I use YouTube to you know watch sports and cat videos and all the things that you know I thought it was designed for. My son uses it like a TV program. You know, it's crazy. So, so that, that's something that's, that's also um, being developed. But there are apps now because of its growth that when you go to look for different things you want to implement on your phone, YouTube is a specific thing that some do and some don't. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yeah, and also I think one of the biggest things is too when you have when you have that dialogue with your with your children, is um, implement these controls for yourself. I mean, sexual sin. I mean, fifty percent of all Christian men regularly view pornography. I mean, sexual sin is is a big problem, both male and female. I mean, I, I didn't realize you know how much it really affects teenage girls and college age girls. That's huge. So you know, I would a- encourage y'all to implement these things yourself, so that you can tell your kids you're not above you know, needing to be, needing to be protected as well. So that, that's a great point. A hundred percent. Yes. Exactly. Right, and you know, and that's one thing I, I talked to my daughter about too. But I mean, she, everybody, I think everybody here probably knows a teenager that's been that not necessarily your own, but I think you've probably known a family affected by social media in in a ne- in a very negative way. I mean, it's just out there. Um, it's affected my daughter's friends, close friends, church going, church going kids. I mean, it's just people think that you know if they post something, it's it's gone forever. No. I didn't realize this, but people were using Snapchat. Is you know you're supposedly Snapchat. You send a picture and it disappears in ten seconds. You don't really think it disappears. It does not disappear. Somebody's got it somewhere, and it's actually recoverable on the phone itself. Believe it or not, now. But kids are using the Snapchat pictures, thinking they're disappearing, and then when the, when the person receives it, they snap an image on their phone, so it's there forever. You know, and that's that's what's sad that people. You know, we, I don't think our kids and even even us we don't really cognitively think that way, you know. I don't, and our kids certainly don't don't think that way. Um, so yeah, the, the the dialogue is the most important part of all of this. And again, the parental controls that, that we can talk about implementing with the apps that they use. Again, it's very important that you become familiar with what they use because you won't be able to necessarily stop something, but it certainly opens a dialogue. And if you're if you're tracking the amount of time that your kids are spending on specific things, that even opens up a, a further dialogue. You know, why are you on Facebook nine hours a day? You know, why are you on Instagram this many hours a day or, or Snapchat or whatever? You can have those conversations. And again, that technology policy is so important. It does open up a lot of dialogue. It lets, you, it lets your kids know that you trust them, but there are boundaries. Kids are, kids are always asking for boundaries, whether they, they think so or not. I mean, we're the biggest influences in their lives, not their friends. The things that we do, you know, like I said, implementing these controls for yourself and, and using that as a dialogue is so important because we are the biggest influence on our children. Wouldn't you say, Clark? I mean, we are. It's not their friends. It's us, and it's our behavior. Oh, yeah. All right. Exactly. That's why the Finsta in my house turned into a delete the Insta. Uh, it's what it did. And, and, and I'm sorry. I mean, I, I told her, 
and she was a good kid. I mean, you know, she was honest. She let us see it. Still, it's deceptive. And when you have broken trust, trust has to be take a long time to get reestablished. But I explained to her, I'm like, if you need Instagram to have friends, oh my goodness, where have we gone? You know, that's terrible. And we, I'm sorry, I can think of no compelling reason to have a kid have Snapchat. None. I know they'll say, well, you know, it's you can take a goofy picture in the mall or whatever it's gone or what. I, I just don't see any compelling reason for that to be part of their lives. There, nothing good can come from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 